1: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. And thank you so much for tuning in to this broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora as we're here on April 17th on a beautiful TGIF of the great year 2020. And hopefully uh, this broadcast is finding you all doing well. If you're having a tough time through uh, coronavirus or whatever's going on in your life, you are in our thoughts and prayers, and I truly hope that uh, things get better and things start looking up. You can know that at least Monday through Friday from nine to 11 a.m. Eastern time, you'll always have positivity. So we are here for you, we're here to talk, and we're here to have a good time. The last part of today's show is uh, is, is a piece that is uh, very, very important to me and near and dear to my heart. Uh, we've been joined by great guests today in Juanita Ward and Willamica, And now we get to round out the show with somebody who I always supported when he was at Syracuse and uh, anywhere that he went in the NBA or wherever it may be. uh, Tyler Lydon is somebody that left a mark on me. I care about these guys that come in. I get to spend a lot of time with them, interviewing them and getting to know them and and sometimes getting to know the family and whatnot. And and Tyler, whether he knows it or not, is somebody that I have respected, I have appreciated and been very thankful for. And so I was going to keep... You know, knock it at the door of getting him back on the show until we could do it because he's one of the one of the good ones out there, and he's one of the only people I know that can lose a shoe in a huge game and still drop that shot. So, with that being said, Tyler Lydon is back on Wake Up Call. I feel so blessed to be able to say that. So, with that with that being stated, here we are, Tyler. How are we doing today?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah,
1: man, and and you know, Tyler, I mean, this has been. It's been a while since we talked. I mean, it's it's been a minute. So, how's life been going?
0: It's been good. A little bit hectic. Um, obviously, crazy with all this coronavirus stuff happening. But um, and then obviously all the things in the NBA and being back home now. But it's been crazy, but it's all been good.
1: And you know, for you, for you, Tyler. I mean, when when you left Syracuse and you made that decision, I want to go back to that because you know, unfortunately. Uh, people think that when you make a decision, it's also their decision, and right. and so when somebody leaves, you know, you get the positivity and you get the hey, I hope everything goes well. Thank you for everything you did for Syracuse, and then you know you get the other side of it, like how could you leave? Screw you! I hate you! Why would you do that to us? How did you navigate through all that? Because you've done it. Uh, Malachi's had to go through it. Tyler Ennis, uh, you know, uh, Chris McCullough. So many guys had gone through the the you know the 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 positivity and then the other side of why would you leave us
0: yeah i think um having my family and friends around me during the time obviously is huge for me i think i have a pretty great family and good core group of friends so they made it pretty easy for me to get through it um but honestly i mean i I tried to really not pay attention to anyone that was talking down on me or down on my decision because like you said at the end of the day this is my decision. They have no part in it. And the thing that, to me, that was more frustrating about those people that would talk down on it and kind of try and put you down and tell you you're no good, it's like, you know, especially coming from some of the fans, was at first it was hard because I was like, I don't think they realize like, you're putting everything you got in every practice, every game for them, for the university, for um, your teammates and all that stuff and then for them to talk down on you being a kid trying to reach your dreams is to me it's pretty crazy but like I said I had a good group of uh, friends obviously a great family so they made it pretty easy to get through it all
1: that coming here from uh, Tyler Lydon this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora so you know you navigating through that hindsight 2020 where you are you happy that you you made the decision to leave early looking back on it now a few years later I mean how how do you see everything now
0: um, I think I'll, I'll never regret the decision I made. Um, obviously, it's tough right now not being in the NBA and not being with a team. Um, but like I said, as a kid, that was my game to get there, to see what it was like to play, um, and all that
1: stuff. So I'll never regret the decision I made. Obviously, I miss Syracuse, miss the university, and miss
0: playing there. But like I said, I think if I go back and I did it all over again, I still would do the same exact thing uh, 10 times
1: out of 10, to be honest. And, and for you, Tyler, like you said, you know, if you went back there, you do the, you do the same thing. What went into your decision? Because some people are sitting here thinking like, what's an agent telling you what's this, what's that? What ultimately made you, cause you know, I, as you know, and I know we've talked about today, everybody's got an opinion about something that only, you know, the answer to. And so, you know, what, what ultimately made it good enough for you to do like what made that decision for you like i should do this because the you know the talking heads are saying well his agent must have said this and maybe he got told this and maybe this happened what actually happened that made you want to move forward and go at that time
0: honestly i really did not talk with an agent until i made my decision um so i i never really had any influence to be honest from an agency or agent In particular, um, for me, it was just more about myself and my family and um, kind of where we were at and where I thought I was at as a player. Um, You know, I knew that I was ready. I think looking back, I think I could have been more – Mentally tougher, I think. At times, when I was at Syracuse, obviously, I needed to step up, and I didn't my sophomore year. So that that kind of hit me hard when I was leaving. But at the end of the day, I knew I was like, okay, as a, as a player, I know I'm ready. I know I can go compete at that level. Um, the reason I didn't leave my freshman year was because I knew I needed to put on weight, and get stronger, um, different things like that. But I knew I was still skilled enough to go. So I, to me, it was all about coming back, um, and I want another chance, obviously, at trying to win a national champion which obviously unfortunately didn't happen but to me i came back because i knew i needed to get stronger still improve a little bit and then my sophomore year i felt like i definitely got stronger and um like i said was skilled enough to get there to play at that level and that's why i left
1: and and so like for you i mean obviously you know the intent when you get to college is that you'll you'll develop enough so that you can go to the nba so you know when, when you're going through that and saying, I didn't leave my freshman year because I needed to put on weight, there's different things I needed to do. I, I think that the misconception is, I mean, obviously people want you to stay, especially if you're talented, but the misconception is college is a building block for you to get to the NBA. So, you know, you were kind of just, it sounds like you stepped into Syracuse saying, I'm going to leave when I feel like all my ducks are in a row, whether that's freshman year, sophomore year. I'm gonna do it when I feel like I, you know, I got the weight on. I'm I'm strong mentally. I got this. I got that. So it seemed like it wasn't a well, you know, we made it to this. You know, we made it this far. Or, or I want to. I mean, obviously, you want to win a championship, but you were thinking about, you know, where do you have to be at in order to be comfortable enough to move on to the NBA? Yeah, I
0: think the crazy thing to me too was to be honest. When I got to Syracuse and even during my freshman year while I was there. That was the first time the NBA, anyone ever talked about my name and the NBA in the same sentence. It was like after Battle of Atlantis. So for me, as a kid, you know, my dream was to obviously go play Division One and these sort of things. But being from such a small town, I really never thought it would be possible. I just played basketball and computers as I could because I loved the game. And then, you know, one thing kind of led to another, getting to Syracuse. I was like, wow, and you know, I never thought I would get to that level. Um, And then, like I said, it was really never even a thought of mine um, to even leave to go to the NBA until uh, my sophomore season. That was when, like, after my freshman year was the first time I was like, okay, I really can do this, you know? Like, I think I performed pretty well my freshman year, and obviously we had that great run, so that was the first time I was even, like I said, hearing my name and the NBA in the same sent- sentence and people saying I should leave and this and that. And I was like, this is crazy. I never would have imagined that I would even have that opportunity. And then, you know, kind of, you had to set yourself back to reality and be like, okay, well now what does it actually take? And what would it be like for me to get there? And what do I really have to sit down and do um, to make that reality? Now? When,
1: we, uh, when we look at this, Tyler, we look at, you know, kind of, you know, that, that season and that team that you had and just kind of what happened with the team, that was something where I had the opportunity to talk with Trevor after the fact. And I said to him, I was like, you know, do you know who picked who picked Syracuse that year? And, you know, when, when we were doing the ACC and it's all blind and, you know, there's, you know, however many of us that are, you know, choosing who's going to go where. And I had North Carolina as the number one team in the ACC And in the last second, I moved Syracuse there. Not because I was born here, not because I know you guys, not because I'm in the carrier dome covering the games and this and that. I did it based on a specific set of reasons for you and Mike Beniger and Trevor Cooney. Like I I did there was there was reasons why Malachi, I, I did what I did and I spelled it out and I got treated like I was a crazy person. And there was an article written about me, like, Mystery Man Reveals Himself, and I wasn't hiding. I put it up on my free website. But what I think is funny, Tyler, is that I thought that you guys in North Carolina were deserving to be at the top of the ACC, and when all when all push came to shove, out of four teams left, out of 300-plus, you and North Carolina were in there. So I had that redemption. I was right. They wrote an article about me at the beginning of the year. Nobody wrote anything at the end of the year. My dad goes uh, nobody's trying to call my son now that he was, he was right. So number one, what do you think about the fact that I was the only person that, that picked you guys? And number two, you know, you like proving people wrong. Uh, you know, I I think that I have a little redemption and maybe they should have wrote a nice article about me at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I think they definitely should have wrote a nice article <laughs> about you. Um, that's pretty crazy. Obviously you know what you're talking about for you to have said that and then you know, we both ended up both teams ended up where they did. So obviously people need to pay a little bit more attention to what you're saying.
1: But well, and, and the thing that was crazy is that when I when I said it and thank you, but when I said it to Trevor he was like he started laughing, he goes, No way, you were the guy and I said I said, Yeah, I didn't because when you when you vote you can't see what anybody else is voting. So you don't know that you're going to be like the lone wolf or whatnot, but you know, I had the satisfaction that I believed in you guys the whole year. And so I, I had that satisfaction when everybody, cause you know how like there's fans and then there's people that like, join. I mean, you know, when you go to a party that there's a bunch of people that were going to come to your house and then once the parties hop in and they hear that everything's going good and there's a lot of people there, then the other people start to come in. And so, you know, like I was at the party from the beginning. I mean, I, it, you know, there was so much talent on that team, and I felt like you guys could, and you kept proving me right, and I will tell you this. My father, who never cries, I told my dad, if Syracuse makes it to the Final Four, then we, then you're coming with me because I asked him to come with me to Chicago, and he couldn't make it happen because he was working. I said, if they make it to the Final Four, you are going with me to Houston, and he called me five seconds after The game ended against against Virginia and Chicago. He called me up and my I couldn't even understand him. He was crying and he was screaming at the top of his lungs and he's like, We're going to the final four, buddy, we're going to the final four and like it was the coolest feeling in the world and I know that you're you're close with your family, but like you gave my dad that moment and I wanna say thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for everything you guys did too. Yeah,
0: that was crazy. That was a super fun time, obviously. I was just talking to somebody about it the other day. It's like looking back on those memories and that memory of getting to the Final Four, and, I, and like I don't care what anyone says, that will always go down as like my favorite basketball memory and point in time and all that stuff. There's nothing like it.
1: And the thing is, you decided to go for something which you know, you know, and I know in college college basketball now everything is a foul, so you can't even yeah. breathe on somebody. But you went for that big time play, knowing that it could have gone against you. It was sixty-one sixty. You guys were leading against Gonzaga, and they come down the lane, and you were just and it looked like the entire time inside of, inside of the lane, inside of the paint, it looked like you were just kind of dancing your feet, waiting for your opportunity to make a strike. And you see him, you see the guy coming down the lane, and they and he elevates up for it, and you block the shot and then you try and grab the rebound and hit the floor. Bring me into that moment, because they could have called you for a foul, they could have called you for anything, but you felt like in that moment with under five seconds to play, you had to make that play. Bring me into it.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think Deheim at the time kind of – gave us a little bit of an idea of what they were going to try to go to. You know, obviously they had Wilcher, so it's like, alright, they had Wilcher and Sabonis, so you know, were they going to try and get a shot? Were they going to dump it down low? What were they going to try and do? And so he gave us a couple ideas. So we, I think what we did is we took away their, their first two options there with Sabonis and Wilcher, And so it was like, all right, someone else has to make a play. And I just – I knew that the floor was open, so he had a driving lane. And obviously, as my responsibility in the zone, I had to step up. And, you know, I think just that comes down to being prepared and being a constant person and player and just being able to trust your abilities. You know, I felt – I thought that I was a pretty good shot blocker. Um, So I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to give him the chance to go up and win this game. There's no way. You know, I just figured that that's how – I was going to make my mark in that game was to try and end it that way. Obviously, looking back, it's like, damn, I was pretty crazy, you know, to, to really think that way. It's it's pretty nuts, especially being a freshman. I think it, it's uh, it's pretty crazy to make that type of a decision. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just I don't, I really don't think I was thinking in the moment. I just was like, okay, I'm going to go up and try and contest this shot. And then the way he drove, he just came too close. And, obviously, I blocked it and got the rebound. And the rest is kind of history, so to speak.
1: I gotta ask you a question that that you yeah you probably know that this is coming, but I know the answer to this because I saw the replay that the officials apparently didn't watch. was Trevor Cooney inbounds when he stole the ball?
0: I think he was inbounds yeah
1: I mean to to me it looks like he 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 grabbed it he had both of his feet in he turned his body and he was he was in, but you had to make the play after that play so when that didn't go your way, just what was What adrenaline, what was going through your body in that moment? Because you had something taken away from you. It gave Gonzaga another opportunity. You're only up by a point. Bring me into those few seconds of, okay, it's our ball. Oh, it's not our ball. Okay, well, now we got to do something else. Because that was a really quick turnaround.
0: Yeah, I think think that's one of the best things about sports and, and being a player and being someone who's in those moments, and like I said, just you kind of just have to be ready for whatever you know. Obviously, we're thinking one thing, but at the same time, you know, they can call it either way, it's just that's just how it goes, you know. So, as much of the control you think you have in a game, it's like a lot of things are really out of your hands. So, you know, we're obviously meant to think one way and then kind of have to be able to react and do the other thing right away. So, I think that's exactly how it happened. It was just like, all right, we, we felt like we were getting that ball. And we felt like he was in bounds, But in that moment, obviously, when they changed the call over, it's just, you just got to be ready. There's really no excuses. So I think for us as a team, for players really in general, it's just it doesn't matter what the situation is. You just got to be ready for whatever comes at you. And luckily, I think that just comes down to coaching and, and all that other stuff too where we're so lucky to have Bayheim and the assistance that we do or did um, to have us prepared and mentally tough enough to be like, okay, well, that didn't go our way, but we'll get this stop here, you know, that sort of thing.
1: That coming here this morning from Tyler Lydon, Syracuse Orange basketball alum. Tyler, you talk about coaches that Syracuse had. Uh, Mike Hopkins, what did he mean to you? What did he mean to the team? What did he mean to to everything that, that has been Syracuse? Because we know that he's kicking butt in Washington. He's a Pac-12 coach of the year. Uh, his first year there, his second year there. What what can you say about about Mike Hopkins and what the loss of him you know really does mean in Syracuse?
0: Yeah, I mean, just for me personally, I think Hopkins was like a father figure to me while I was there, and obviously even afterwards and before when he was recruiting me. So I think the type of person he is is just he's really I think he really is one of a kind. I don't think there's another coach out there in a sense that can act the way he does and be how he is he's just such a genuine person um so obviously when he left Syracuse I'm sure a lot of people were hurt and upset and yeah it's it's definitely a tough loss for everyone involved but at the same time it's like when I look back and even now when I think about it it's there's really not another guy obviously that can replace him. But at the same time, if you had to pick other guys, it would be coach red, coach GMAC, those guys like, just like Hopkins are unbelievable people, unbelievable coaches. And they, you know, they'll just get the job done. I would trust those guys with anything in the world. That's why when I look at like all this recruiting stuff, which, to me i don't really ever pay attention to um anymore just because i it's been a little while since i've been at syracuse obviously and you know i try and follow the team as much as i can but to me it's like those guys i just remember talking to g-mac and red and obviously hopkins and boeheim while i was being recruited and i'm like i don't know how kids would want to pick another school to go play for like every time i talk to them i just get fired up about basketball and just love the game
1: yeah, you know, and that's a it's a great thing to hear, and it's a great tribute to Adrian Autry as well as to uh, GMAC because a lot of the credit went to Mike Hopkins, but people forget what Adrian has done and what Jerry's done. So just to speak to that a little bit further, just what you could say about you know how effective they are at recruiting and and just you know what what they bring to the table because I don't think that they get enough credit. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it kind of just goes off of what I said. I mean. As a player, you look for a couple of things, obviously the best fit for the school, but I think a lot of times kids get caught up in like, oh, I'm going to go to the biggest school because this school has the most – will give me the most followers, you know, stupid stuff like that. That to me, kids, I think, need to really sit down and realize who they're playing for, and um, I think that's a, that was – the only reason I even came to Syracuse, I obviously knew that their track record of getting guys to the NBA was good. They they were a winning program, all this crazy stuff, the chance to play for Bayheim, and it, like, the list could go on and on, but for me, it was more so about the type of guys I was playing for at that time. I wanted to play for someone that, um, you know, I would essentially put my life on the line for them, and I knew that they would do the same thing for me, and that's just how they are. That's how they are as coaches. That's how they were as players. And um, like I said before, I don't know how, as a recruit, you would want to go anywhere else and play for anyone else.
1: Big words coming from Tyler Lydon about Syracuse here this morning. Uh, Tyler, I'm in the studio watching this play uh, of this uh, this guy that played up against Virginia, who made a pass to Malik uh, Malik or Malachi Richardson here and and lost his shoe, and then decided to you know just kind of you know it was coming off. You took it off. And not only did you do that, but I forgot this. Mike Benege picked it up while he was dribbling. He was dribbling with his left hand and threw your shoe onto the sideline with his right hand. And then you go in and and cash in a three when the team was down 30 to 18 to uh, to Virginia. Bring me into this play because this is something that's like got to be one of the top 10 plays in Syracuse basketball history. You're at the top of the key. You fall down. You lose your your shoe on your left foot. You kick it off. And then Mike just grabs it, throws it off to the side. He gets double teamed and then you wait, you fake and you hit that three. I mean, this, this is one of those amazing, amazing moments that you can't forget. Bring me into it.
0: Yeah, um, I I just remember going over. I think I was trying to set a screen for him, and either someone stepped on my shoe and it just kind of popped off. And like you said, obviously, Mike threw it off. And To me, in the moment, I just was like, all right, I caught it. I personally thought the shot clock was a little lower. I don't know exactly off the top of my head how many seconds were on it. I think there was like maybe like six or seven in the game. But to me, for whatever reason, when I caught it, I thought the shot clock was lower. I thought it was more like – you know, two or three or one second. So I was like, okay, I'm open. You know, obviously I felt like I was open. Um, and then when the guy came at me, I kind of just gave a little pump fake and a little step and knocked it down. But yeah, that's really all it, all it came down to. To me, was just feeling like the shot clock was lower. I don't know why I felt that way, um, but that's that's the only reason I shot that ball. I was like, all right, well, if there's you know two three seconds on the clock. When I'm open you know why would I pass it up in a sense so that's the only reason why I shot it and,
1: and 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 that's the thing I mean it goes in and now it goes down as as you I mean how many times do people remind you of that moment now that after that happened
0: oh all the time all the time especially on like so with social media nowadays There's... Oh, well, anytime that Syracuse is playing, it's, it seems like there's someone tweeting at me or you know tagging me on Instagram or something like that, just uh, with the picture of the shoe off or whatever it is. So it's definitely a pretty cool moment and something I'll have to look back on forever.
1: We, we look at this speaking here with Tyler Lydon this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Satori inside of the Charneys Men's Wear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. You were down by 14 to Virginia in that game at halftime. You outscored them forty-seven to twenty-seven in the second half, and and I said before you came before you came on, I remember looking down at my notepad and my computer, and you guys were down by fifteen, and I remember looking down and at the table and saying, "Well, it ain't over till it's over." and so, and like I didn't want to give up. There was something inside of me that was like, no, like it's not over till it's over. What happened? Where did the tide turn? I mean, you played in this game, so many people saw this, they felt this, people that didn't even know what Syracuse was or where it was, tuned in this game and 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 watched this this what a lot of people call a miracle happen. How did it happen? What happened on the court? What happened in the locker room? How did you guys pull off one of the biggest comebacks in college basketball history?
0: Yeah, I I if I remember correctly, I mean you could you probably have to ask a few of the other guys on the team. Um, I remember at halftime we were down, um, and I think Beheim came in, and he was always the type of coach that was like, no matter what the score is, he doesn't care if we're getting, you know, blown out by twenty or what it is, as long as we're just going to continue to compete and fight to the very end. That's all he cared about. He just obviously he wanted us to do the best we could and give everything we got. So. When he came in at halftime, I, I remember him kind of giving a little little bit of a speech just saying, like, it does not matter what the outcome of this game is as long as we go down just just swinging, right? And um, I think for us, that, to me, it kind of hit in my head, like, you know, this really could be the end of the season. It could be the last time I pick up a ball with Trevor and Mike and those guys. So I was obviously like, I'm going to do everything I can to win this game. And I think that that kind of resonated with – a few of the other guys, and, um, you know, when when you're out there and you're playing and you see, you look up and you see you're down 15, it's like, as a basketball player, it's like, that's really only, you need two, three shots, right? You hit two threes, now you're down nine points and and you're right back in the game. So I think as a competitor and as a player, it's like, okay, 15 might seem like a lot to a lot of people, but I think for us, we just had the mentality, like, if we're just going to chip away, that's all we have to do is just chip away and we'll be fine. We can get back in this thing and we can win. So I think that was just kind of our mentality the whole time. And obviously, um, we were confident in our press. So once we put that on and um, things started to go our way, we felt pretty confident in, in a chance to get back in the game. And that's exactly what we did.
1: That yeah, coming here from Syracuse Orange basketball I'm Tyler Lydon here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You did that and then you move on from there and you face off against North Carolina in Houston. Obviously doesn't go the way that you want it to go. And they move forward and play Villanova after that. That was the last game you ever played for Syracuse. I know it didn't go your way, but what was your takeaway from or not or not the last game that you ever played, pardon me on that. But the last game that you ever played in the Final Four. What was your takeaway in that moment, that being the last game of the season and and obviously, you know, you guys didn't get back there after that what, what do you remember about about that time in Houston?
0: Obviously, um, kind of like what I was saying before, we just like I think it all kind of hit me that I was like, wow, I you know, we really just made it to the final four. Like I just played in front of you know seventy something thousand people on a stage that I can remember being a little kid going outside and playing on my basketball hoop and in March or in April and, you know, it kind of being crappy weather, but just being out there, and then running inside because my mom would say the NCAA tournament games are on. So we were, you know, me and my brothers would sprint inside and we'd go watch all the games and we'd pretend like we were these different teams and players and that sort of thing. So to actually be in that moment, I think it kind of hit me and resonated like right when the game was over um, obviously you're, you're kind of heartbroken because you feel like you're so close and, you know, you win that game and you're playing for the national championship, which it's, it sucks to look back and say you win two more games and you're a national champion. Um, so that, that kind of hurt, and obviously it still stings even today, even to talk about it. But I think more importantly um, for myself, it was more just about being in that moment and kind of just soaking it all in. So that's what I tried to do.
1: And, and, and to, to have that and then to move forward into the NBA, I mean, speak with me on your time in the NBA. I mean, you got drafted, you got out there and, you know, you, you played in the G League, you played, you know, inside of the NBA itself. And, and now, you know, you're looking at what will come in your future. What have you taken away from the NBA?
0: Yeah, um, to me, there's a lot that I've taken away. Obviously, um, what it takes to be at that level and to compete and those sort of things. Like you said, I got drafted. I was lucky enough to get drafted and play a little bit and um, spend some time there. And it's been a, it's been quite the roller coaster for myself, for my family, for everybody. Um, but obviously, you know, I just well. I would never changed my decision to leave Syracuse and those sort of things. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it just it comes down to taking away like what it really takes to be there. Um, obviously, I'm blessed enough to say that I played there and got drafted and those sort of things, but just going to continue to keep my options open here for a little bit. Um, I've been really enjoying being back home. I've been doing a lot of training with kids and um, spending some time with kids in the area and that sort of thing and trying to, you know, just show them that really everything's possible no matter where you're from. So
1: it's all been good. I've been very blessed, that's for sure. How, how is Hudson, New York right now? How's life there?
0: I'm actually from a small town called Elizaville. I went to a school called Pine Plains,
1: which is okay. where I do most of my stuff. So that's but, where um, you're at now. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's great, especially like, you know, I, I was, whatever, 16 when I went to prep school. And then it's kind of like, all right, you're only home for, you know, two months, whatever it is, just for summer. And then you're kind of back. So it feels like you've been away since I've been, whatever, 16 or so. And so to be back and just have the luxury to be around family and friends and like kind of do those sort of things. It's just, to me, that's what I was grew up around. You know, it was a very tight knit family and friend group. So it feels great to be back and, um, seeing those people and
1: spending time with them. Two quick things here, Tyler, we you're joining Bayheim's army. We talked about it off the air. I know you're really pumped and excited for that. You're going to be back in orange and blue back in front of the fans, hopefully uh, coming up here this summer what made you join Bayheim's Army, and what can you tell me about downing Orange again?
0: Yeah, um, really, there wasn't too much that went into, you know, having to be convinced about playing there. Kevin Dolby reached out to me, I talked a little bit to Eric D'Undorf about it, and um, really, once Kevin asked me if I wanted to play on the team, like my immediate reaction was just yeah. To me, I just like kind of gives me flashbacks of all the things that we just talked about playing for Syracuse and those games and that stuff. And obviously, to play with some of the guys that I grew up watching and played with and that sort of stuff just sounded so cool to me. So it didn't take a whole
1: lot of convincing. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm super pumped to do it. Right, coming from Tyler Lydon, Tyler, the final piece here. We're gonna play rapid fire. You can ask me three. You get interviewed all the time. So you can ask me three questions and put me on the hot seat. I will also ask you three. They have nothing to do with sports. Are you ready to be on the hot seat?
0: Am I ready? I have to <laughs> ask you three questions and they can't do anything with sports?
1: Yeah, you can. You ask me three. I ask you three. You get to start. You can ask me literally anything.
0: All right. Um, <laughs> so I was not ready for this at all. I'm going to ask, like, the dumbest questions. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Um, I think I'm ready though. Okay, go ahead. All right, where did you grow up?
1: Where did I? I grew up in Syracuse, New York. Born and raised, ten minutes from the uh, dome. Yeah.
0: Ten minutes, like actually in Syracuse, because I feel like everybody says, "Oh, I'm from Syracuse," but then they like list some random small town up there.
1: No, I, I'm from the north side. Literally, my family had has the same house that I grew up in, and I was I was like whatever, ten or ten or twelve minutes from the dome. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Okay. What's your favorite non-sport
1: moment of your life? Oh, my favorite non-sport moment of my life. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. I would say, mm, I'm going to say that there is, I'm going to say three. I'm going to say uh, when I opened up my business and I started my own company and, and LLC'd my company, Dance Tour Broadcast Media, because it turns eight years old in June. So I would say that. Thank you. I would say uh, getting my dog Lily, and and becoming nice. a dog dad. And my 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 top 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 moment is seeing my grandma, who I call G Mama, to her one hundredth birthday. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, that was a good that's one. Awesome. What's your last one? My last one. What kind
0: of car do you drive? <laughs> uh, I don't know
1: i drive a uh, honda crv from honda city of liverpool they have partnered with me for the last seven years and i trust the vehicles they drive forever and i got see this one's all tricked out though i never had a sunroof never never had Heated seats and leather seats and, you know, lane assist and basically the car, you know, rubbing your butt while it drives for you. But I uh I definitely got a good one and I, I like it. So Nice, 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 nice. All right. So my three questions for you, Mr. Leiden. And I have prepared nothing either, but my my first question for you is if I am in the Leiden household and I am streaming a series during coronavirus, what three series am I watching? if i'm tyler Lydon, oh
0: uh it'll probably be like you're talking tv shows right
1: yeah tv shows
0: yeah so i would say it's going to be peaky blinders is number one this is we'll go like there's really no order to it but i'd say peaky blinders game of thrones and probably the office
1: all right peaky blind now i don't know anything about peaky blinders so what what's it about
0: it's like uh, an old time, like I really don't prohibition era mobster show. I guess you could call it. I really don't know how to explain it, but yeah, it's all about like these mobsters. I guess it's cool. You should watch it.
1: All right, fair enough. Now I will tell you. Now I did watch The Office. I will tell you right now. I'm not done with Game of Thrones, but I'm through six seasons. I'm starting season number seven. Tyler, I would like to think that you think of me as a nice person. <laughs> But, I, but I, have, I have a kill list. I have a list of people that I wanted to see die on the show before the end of it. And I will tell you that Joffrey and Ramsey are at the top of that list. Yeah,
0: I think, I think everybody kind of had those lists while watching the show for sure.
1: I mean, it's, it was. who was your favorite on the show?
0: My favorite? Yeah. Oh, man. That's tough. I think it's hard to beat Jon Snow just because of his character and all that stuff. So I guess I'll probably have to go with him for now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... Now, did you like... Now, again, I know nothing about Season 7 or Season 8, so say nothing. Just tell me, did you like the last... So many people had problems with Season 8. Did you like it or no?
0: No, no, I did not. I was actually really disappointed. I think they kind of rushed it all. I guess I'll just leave it at that.
1: All right, well... Because, I mean, and the thing is, I've predicted, like, four things that have happened in succession, I predicted them. So I'm hoping that my predictions keep going over well. But I was Team Stark, and I was Team Dragon Lady in the beginning. And uh, and there's, there's still some, you know, remnants of of that, but I'm excited to see where it goes. I will tell you that I never got into it and now I'm addicted to it, so. Good, yeah, gotta
0: finish it then, for sure.
1: Yeah, well, okay, my, my so that's, so my question for you is a Netflix thing. Okay, my second one for you is, if you had to walk around the world with a neon sign above your head, what would it say?
0: I'm a savage.
1: <laughs> I'm a, okay, why that?
0: I don't know. I just have like this thing with my family that I mess around. I always call myself a savage. Like I'll do something. I'm just like, yeah, I'm a savage. I don't know. Just something funny that we always do. So that's probably what it would be. All
1: right. I like it. I'm a savage. And my last one for you, Tyler, is what are the top three? Okay. When you go to the grocery store now, because people are crazy and apparently coronavirus made everybody think that they need a toilet paper forever. So, what are the three things that, when you go to the grocery store now, and you know that the grocery store could be out of something, what are three things that you hope the grocery store has, like three of your favorite things?
0: Three of my favorite things? Um, well, obviously, like you said, I mean, toilet, I, I'm just going to not include, like, cleaning products and all that, like, toilet paper, just because I think that, like, right now, that's got to be number one on the list, but yeah. so I'm not going to include those, but... My uh, thing, that's that's tough. I mean, I'm just a big. I love chocolate milk, so I always have to like. I just love it, so I that would be number one on my list. Is I'm looking for chocolate milk. Um, what else? Probably, I don't know. I'm steak. Like, I just. I'm obviously. I just gotta look for food. So chocolate milk, steak, and probably eggs. Like, I could. I think I could eat all those
1: and drink that like for every meal. Well, and the thing that's cra- and the thing that's really cool is I can't have regular milk, so I have to have almond milk. And I found almond chocolate milk, and I'm addicted. It's so good, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. So I'm you and I are big children. We're we're drinking chocolate milk, watching Game of Thrones, exactly. So, <laughs> wondering like wondering when someone's gonna die that we don't like anymore on the yeah. show. <laughs> exactly. So that that coming from Tyler Lydon, whether it's one shoe or two, we know that uh, many many people out there appreciate you. And I would venture to say, besides your family, not not many more than me. So uh, thank you for. This awesome uh, time today to extend the show with you Tyler and I hope that we get to catch up soon and and uh, of course stay safe as always.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I always appreciate it. Have, have a good one and be safe.
1: All right man, be good. I'll text you when I get through Game of Thrones. I'll let you know. Sounds good. Man. I appreciate <laughs> it. We'll talk right. to you soon. All right, take Bye. care.